So the Virginia Cavaliers, they defied what Trey and I thought would happen. We keep receipts, of course, at Fast Lane. Ed Lamer, you listen to podcasts. And guess what? We keep receipts. Because Coach Prime wants us to. Um, but no, Virginia, we didn't think they would win at North Carolina. They did. To their ever-loving credit, Carolina or Virginia came out prepared. They withstood adversity, which is something they have not done. Uh, heck, coming out prepared at times. You could wonder whether they were able to do that either. And yet, to Virginia's props, they did that and they showed what they could do against a Carolina team that was not firing on all cylinders. And, you know, they made fun of Mac Brown before about having these random letdown games that pop up. Uh, again, full disclosure, we had Andrew Jones of Tar Hill Illustrated on Friday's edition of the Fast Lane a day after he was joining our next guest on his podcast, Jerry Ratcliffe, because uh, Jones was with Ratcliffe on Thursday. But mention the possibility that Virginia could come out motivated and firing after the bye. I'll be honest, I didn't really believe that was going to happen, but give Virginia all the credit in the world. So we're praising them. Will there be more of it from our first guest in covering the Commonwealth? Find out right now. Yep, we're copying this idea. Covering the Commonwealth, a look at the locally interesting teams and stories from the experts who cover them. Let's start with the Virginia Cavaliers. With JerryRatcliffe.com founder and contributor, Jerry Hootie Ratcliffe. Hootie, did you see that coming Saturday night in Chapel Hill? No way, Ed. <laughs> no way. <laughs> in fact, uh, Andrew and I, uh, and Andrew usually is the guy who will give uh, Virginia the uh, any any uh, credit, uh, even though they may not have deserved it in the past, but uh, he would always say, "Well, you know, if Virginia does this or that, Carolina has some vulnerable qualities or, or uh, things that Virginia could possibly exploit." Uh, this time, neither one of us could see any way that that Virginia could possibly win that game. Uh, 24-point underdog on the road against a top-10 undefeated team that had lots to play for. And uh, so, no, there's no way I I saw that coming. Hootie, what does it say about this Virginia team? I mean, look, I've criticized their lack of preparation at times, their lack of resiliency in games like Maryland where they had the lead, JMU with the weather delay, Boston College. Those are just some that come to mind that they actually showed all of that and they deserve a lot of credit for this win at Carolina, a top 10 team entering the night. Well, you know, I think I think they, I'm, I'm going to try to explore this. I think they must have found something in North Carolina's run defense that they felt they could exploit because Des Kitchens told us after the game that he felt like Virginia could run on Carolina, which had only given up an average of 130 yards a game on the ground, and Virginia had uh, almost double that. And I don't see how Virginia's offensive line could magically transform from a team that couldn't block NC State or Boston College to all of a sudden a, a team, uh, an offensive line that could dominate um, an undefeated team like Carolina in that defense. So uh, they must have found something that they could have exploited. Uh, I know Mac Brown this year. One of his concerns going in was that there was a there was a, a thought out there that North Carolina was soft, and he wanted to dispel that. And, and, and felt like that he had. But maybe maybe Virginia found some soft spots in that run defense that uh, they could exploit. 
That's an article you have up at jerryratcliffe.com about the running game for the Virginia Cavaliers. Is there some vindication for this coaching staff? And I know it's one game and they're still two and five, but the idea that schematically, it really doesn't seem like it's been an issue. It's just getting everybody on the same page in moments of adversity and the buy-in and preparation that uh, Carolina may have addressed that, the performance at Carolina may have addressed that. Well, Ed, you're right. I mean, uh, this team has been its worst own enemy, uh, own worst enemy in, in the past. They shoot themselves in the foot uh, with all the penalties and turnovers and and, uh, and and various things like that, and especially usually coming at critical times. And they even made a couple of those mistakes the other night. There was, they should have scored two other touchdowns, but didn't. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I think you got to give these guys credit that. Sometimes they've had the players in the right places and, and the players just didn't execute. So um, I, I think you got to lighten up a little bit if you've been a critic of this coaching staff and, and give credit where credit's due. And, you know, uh, a lot of people were wanting to make a change before we even got to midseason. But, you know, if you'd have done that, <laughs> you sure wouldn't have beaten North Carolina. So um, I, I think you got to at least uh, – give these guys some credit for what they were able to pull off halfway through the season. No doubt. I mean, Virginia deserves a lot of credit for this. Jerry Ratcliffe deserves a lot of credit for the insight he's always sharing at jerryratcliffe.com. Jerry, thank you very much for your time today here in the Fast Lane. We wrap it up with this question. How sustainable is what we saw in Chapel Hill Saturday night from Virginia? Oh, that's a very good question, and, I, and I, I don't have an answer for that. I mean, they could go down in, to Miami this week and lay an egg, or they could go down there and, and compete and have a chance to win. I think all this staff really wants out of this team is to get the game into the fourth quarter and give themselves a chance to win. Miami uh, hasn't been very good at home in conference games. They're for Mario Cristobal's first conference win uh, at home was last week weekend against Clemson so it's not like Miami is uh, the most intimidating place in the world to play so that they could go down there and then possibly pull off a win and uh, if that's the case uh, I would think they could compete with just about anybody else left on the schedule Hootie, I don't know, man. Those tarps that cover up the sections at Miami Stadium, whatever it's called, they are pretty scary, you know. Well, that, yeah, that part might be scary. <laughs> it is, especially if the rain's beating down hard on it. It makes some real loud noises from what I hear. Hootie, Louder than the crowd. Yeah, no doubt about that. Hootie, enjoy South Beach. Keep all the women that are following you around at bay, and uh, we look forward to chatting again next week. <laughs> I wish that was the case, Ed, but it's not. But uh, we'll see you in Charlotte, I guess. Yes, I even forgot to mention that. See you in a couple days. Safe travels as well. All right, brothers. Thank you. Jerry Ratcliffe with us here in the fast lane to the other side of the ACC's Commonwealth representation. Now to the Virginia Tech Hokies. Hokey, hokey, hokey high. With David Cunningham of TechSideline.com. David, looking forward to seeing you in Charlotte in, uh, well, hopefully tomorrow. Hopefully I get down there safely tonight and can go straight to bed and be geared up to see you tomorrow for women's basketball and Wednesday for men's hoops. Those two days. Do you have one Twitch you look forward to more than the other, or is it kind of similar because you are on the beat for both men's and women's basketball? You know, Ed, I kind of just like being down there for both. Obviously, we'll talk to 
Kenny Brooks and, and the Tech women's basketball team bright and early tomorrow morning. I think they're on the podium at 8 a.m., which uh, I might have to uh, get a cup of coffee in me, even though I'm not a coffee guy. Um, but, no, I, I enjoyed both. I think the women's uh, one, it, the, the league is so talented um, in ACC women's basketball that it's so fun and it's a lot more low-key stakes. So it's a little bit more fun to kind of interact with the players and coaches and just kind of get a feel for the league. With the men, a lot more media there, especially the Carolina media, a little bit more uptight. But it is nice to interact with everybody. And I think that's a pro- the part of it I enjoy the most is, is getting to interact with different AC coaches around the conference that I wouldn't normally get a chance to talk to, different student-athletes, and getting to interact with different media members and, and getting to see people like you in person. Let's not get carried away, David, about highlights of the trip. Seeing me in person can be a little scary and intimidating. So we'll uh, we'll put that memory out of the listeners' minds. David, the action itself, it was scary and not in intimid- in intimidating, but in a bad way. Watching Virginia Tech football until the last three games. Two victories and a solid performance against Wake against Florida State, sandwiched in between those wins against Pitt and Wake Forest. How sustainable is this now that Virginia Tech has Syracuse Thursday night coming out of the bye? I think it's very sustainable, Ed. And um, I think when you look at the final five games of the season, some of those teams that did not look very good a couple weeks ago are starting to look a lot better. You just had uh, Jerry on talking about UVA. Obviously a big win this past weekend. Boston College has won three straight games. Some of these games Tech has coming up, in Charlottesville, in Chestnut Hill, those games aren't necessarily going to be as easy as they once were or once looked to be. But I still think this is a favorable schedule for Virginia Tech. Five games remaining. The toughest game is on the road at Louisville next weekend. You got Syracuse on a Thursday night at home. I think this is a huge game, and if Virginia Tech wants anything to do with the postseason this year, it's a must win. You get to 4-4 four and four with the win here. And I think this is a Virginia Tech team that is playing well. And a win to get even, to only have to win two of your next four games, three of which come on the road, I think that's very doable. And it's not like you're playing Florida State and Duke and North Carolina and Clemson week in, week out. You've got NC State, Boston College, Virginia, and Louisville in the next last four games. That's, those are some pretty winnable games in there. I think this is a point in the season where the you know everybody always says the open week comes at the perfect time. I think for Virginia Tech, this is a great time. Comes before a Thursday night game in Syracuse, then you get an extra day or two of rest before you go to Louisville next week, and then you round it out with three games, two of which come on the road against some of the lesser teams in the ACC. And not to mention that this Virginia Tech team is playing much better right now. I have been inspired and impressed with how the Hokies are playing, especially on the offensive end. Tyler Bowen has a good thing going right now. Can he keep it up against a very tricky 3-3-5 Syracuse scheme? And then defensively, this is a running quarterback in Garrett Schrader. He's going to be tough to handle. LaQuint Allen's a good running back. The Hokies are going to have to stop the run. They were okay or I should say, they were pretty good against Wake Forest, but that's not as great of a running team against Syracuse. I'm interested to see how the Hokies fare, but Ed, for the first time all season, I'm picking, or sorry, for the first time since week two against Purdue, I'm picking Virginia Tech to win this game. I think the Hokies get it done on Thursday. Uh, I feel feel pretty good about this game. Um, For Virginia Tech, I think it comes at a good time, and I think Tech is going to be ready for it. 
that'll be a fun one, and we look forward to it as well as David Cunningham is with us here in the Fast Lane. David, thank you for your time today. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. Looking forward to seeing you down in Charlotte, and if Virginia Tech gets that victory on Thursday against Syracuse, there will be a lot of happy Hokie fans sensing a chance to take a step forward in year two of the Brent Priera by getting the bowl eligibility. You got that right, Ed. See you tomorrow. David Cunningham, TechSideline.com with us here in the Fast Lane. Now to the Liberty Flames. With Alan York, play-by-play broadcaster for the Liberty Flames. Alan, we are slowly phasing Nick Pierce out of the Fast Lane. Will that trend continue tonight with another victory over at Western Kentucky as Liberty go 3-0 tomorrow evening over in Kentucky? What's up, Ed? Good to be on with you again. We are loading the plane right now, so if the jet engine is a little bit loud um my apologies um you know it's going to be a big time game top two teams in the uh conference usa uh going at it and uh liberty of course uh, trying to keep that unblemished record intact and uh we're ready to go thank you alan western kentucky People have always been amused by the helmet combinations because they've gotten a lot of attention. Is this something that Liberty fans roll their eyes at? Because Liberty's got like six different uniform combinations. I mean, look, we all know, Ed, it's all about recruiting. (laughs) And the fans get giddy on stuff like that. But in the the day, is it going to help you win games? No, it's not. You still got to go play the game, regardless of what decals on your helmet or how much drip you have, but we all know the kids, when they look good, they feel good, they feel good, they play good, and uh, it's not going to matter tomorrow night when you strap it up at 7.30 Eastern. Have you studied which position group is wearing what different iteration of their mascot helmets? You're, you know, you're fully ready to go for the radio call tomorrow. That's like the I most... I will have it ready to go. I, I've got it typed out. My notes still quite aren't ready yet, but... When I print them out tomorrow, I knew know for a fact that is one part that is on my notes for sure. That's why he's one of the best in the business. Yes, he's very prepared. Attention to detail. That's a phrase we love in the fast lane, and Alan York is putting that to work. Alan, so you're preparing for Western Kentucky. This team, people expected them to be dominant. They've been good, but not to the dominant level. What do you see from Western Kentucky? And more importantly, what are the Flames players and coaches seeing as they prepare for the Hilltoppers? A really good team that's used to winning games. Uh, you know, since I think mean, the last eight, nine years, they've got the most wins in Conference USA. Now, Liberty is quickly gaining on them in year one for Liberty. But they got a great quarterback in Austin Reed. Um, the last couple of years, Bailey Zappi, of course, two years ago. They've got the best two quarterbacks from a yardage standpoint. But they also have three different offensive coordinators in the last three years. Now, looking at some of the things uh, for this year, could that be an effect on why they're not as explosive as they have been? And talking to Randy Lee, their broadcaster today, uh, you won't see this in the game notes, but uh, Austin Reed, their quarterback, hasn't been really healthy all year long. They've got a couple of uh, Power 5 wide receivers who have not panned out. So if you dig a little bit deeper, talk to a couple of uh, folks closer to that program, you'll see it's probably why they're not as explosive, but still uh, a, a big-time opponent that Liberty will face against tomorrow. Alan York, play-by-play broadcaster, Liberty Flames, with us here in the Fast Lane. Alan, 
Last one for you, and we are grateful for your time. This is a Liberty team that uh, is very outspoken that they weren't as crisp as they could have been against Middle Tennessee this past week. Jamie Chabwell has said that. How much has that message seeped through to the players, and you're noticing a business-like mindset on the road as Liberty gets ready to head over to Western Kentucky? Yeah, I think you get by with a win and not playing your best, you kind of get a sigh of relief. Now, Jamie said they didn't practice great last week. Uh, but we did have him on the radio show a couple of days ago, and he said that the team had some better workouts leading up to this game. But, hey, some kids just like the bright lights and may not work as hard in practice, but when those lights come on on game day, ESPNU, national TV, you'll see stars come out. So, But I do think preparation is key to uh, having that confidence going into the game, and I know the fans will be prepared tomorrow night. Alan York, always prepared. He has shown that off for us today in the fast lane. Alan, have a safe trip over there. Appreciate your time, and we look forward to chatting again. Thank you, Ed. Go Flesh. Alan York with us here in the fast lane from we, Liberty. We had to ask him the hard-hitting questions there. Which one? About the helmets? Uh, about, yeah, you know the story, right? The oh, yeah. Position groups are, if you don't know the story, Western Kentucky, their mascot, Big Red, uh, each position group is wearing a different iteration of Big Red on their helmet. So, just just as an FYI for the people. I am willing to bet I will have some complaints about that. If not during the broadcast, then maybe afterwards tomorrow watching it on TV from down in Charlotte. When we return, speaking of complaints, they've been ignored from JMU to the NCAA and the bowl representatives as well. Shane Metlin has been all over that story. He'll touch on that, plus the latest win for JMU over Marshall here in the Fastlane next on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. 